Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Welcome back to the Men's Divorce Cordell and Cordell podcast. I'm Scott Trout, managing partner, CEO of Cordell and Cordell, and we continue our series, our weekly series that we're bringing to you information for all topics revolving around family law, modifications, divorce, contempt, trying to bring you general issues and guidance. And as you know, in the intro, and I always start our podcast just to make sure that you understand that we can't give you good legal advice here at all. Any legal advice, the best environment for that. And really the only environment for that is a consultation. That is a meeting, an appointment with an attorney who practices exclusively in family law like we do here at Cordell and Cordell. And you can do that by going to the website, cordellcordell.com. You don't have to pick up the phone. You can just do that online. You can schedule. There's a calendar. There's a uh, office locator right there. It makes it really easy. But if you prefer to speak with someone and get that done, you can also call us at 866 dad's law 866 dad's law either one works we can do it virtually just like this we can do it on the phone we can do it in person whatever's convenient and appropriate for you and your circumstances but that is the way uh, the way to go and it is probably the best use of your time it's the best hour you'll ever spend to get you solid direction in your case so uh, i'm joined by one of our attorneys in illinois rachel schmidt welcome to the podcast thank you scott good to have you we want to talk about we were talking off camera uh, about really, which is a great topic to kind of intro today and as a sneak peek for all of you listeners who subscribe to our podcast and listen regularly. Uh, we have Father's Day coming up in June, very, very quickly approaching, and we're going to be celebrating more information is going to come out. We're not just going to celebrate that day, that weekend. We're going to celebrate all month long with something called Father's Fridays. It's just going to give you a sneak peek. So follow us on social media, check out our website, uh, it'll be on our website and there'll be a special page for Father's Day. So you're going to want to check out what that is. There's going to be some giveaways. There's going to be wonderful resources uh, for guys before, during, and after divorce. Not We're just going to kind of get away from the law. We're going to get away from strategy. And we're going to talk about resources and how we can help you and help. You know, we understand that there's this emotional toll. Uh, there's really a, a resituation of where you are and you have to kind of regroup and uh, figure out what to do move forward. So, it's going to be a lot of fun in the month of June. Every Friday, we're going to be doing a live podcast or a virtual town hall. We'll be doing live radio interviews and, and giveaways. So just make sure to check us out and stay tuned on social media. You'll see more of that. But that's why this topic, Rachel, has introduced. It's mental health, which is so important and prevalent and relevant in family law. And there are many avenues to talk about this. And as we were discussing off camera... And, you know, you talk about opposing party, yourself, child, uh, and what that is. So let's start, Rachel, kind of throw it out to you, this diagnosable part of opposing party with mental health. What, how do you know, we deal with that or how do you deal with it and kind of where do we go with it? Sure. So a lot of times in initials, I will have clients or potential clients come in and say, my wife, my opposing party has fill in the mental health disorder, right? Bipolar, I mean, whatever it may be, right? Um, and the first question I always say is, 
has somebody diagnosed them? Is this, is this diagnosed or you, you know, is, is that person saying, well, this is how that person is. Um, because as a party, you cannot get on the stand and say, my wife is fill in the blank. The judge isn't going to hear it. Nobody's going to give that any, um, any credence. So the first issue is, is that a diagnosable um, issue? If it is, it goes down one path. If it's not, it goes down a different path. Um, so if it has been diagnosed, and the next issue is, are they in treatment? And are they following their provider's orders? Because that because mental health has changed and the way society views it has changed so much in the last five years even, even if somebody has a um, diagnosed disorder, just because they have that does not take them out of the parenting game or custody game at all. It's more about are they following the doctor's orders? Are they following their treater's orders? Um, if that person doesn't have a diagnosis, then it goes down a different path of, okay, well, now we need to get that person diagnosed with that disorder. Let's talk about, okay, why do you think this? Have they had treatment? Are they not following treatment? And then you go down the, you know, go down that line in terms of if you really feel this way, and this just isn't some type of, you know, you know, sometimes people self-diagnose themselves or self-diagnose their, you know, significant others. If you really feel that this is a significant issue and affecting you, affecting the children, especially, then we're going to go down the line of getting, depending on the state, what it's called. Some states call it a custody evaluation, psychological evaluation. There's different, there's different things, but it's basically a psychologist, a psychiatrist will evaluate that person and then make a recommendation based on that. Google has made everyone an expert. And then that's, yes. you know, I, well, I read on Google MMPI and my wife is bipolar. Uh, yes. And it, and it's, it's true. As you say, judges will begin to tune out and, and it becomes, this is why when we talk about mental health and as it relates, I think to family law uh, and why a strategic conversation should be taking place about this and sit down with your attorney and say, okay, my wife has a diagnosed issue of bipolar. And so then that makes your case go perhaps in a different direction. You know, it's very much to me, I'm curious if you've experienced it where clients say, well, my wife smokes weed every day, but yet they do too, but they don't want to talk about that, right? But so, I mean, that's a conversation you should have with your attorney right off the bat about diagnosed issues, undiagnosed issues. Do you have a mental health crisis or an issue that you may be concerned about that we have to think about? I mean, all those are relevant, right? Right. And that's the thing. If you're going to ask for the opposing side to have a mental health evaluation, you have to be prepared for it as well, because it's probably coming. That's going to happen. Yeah. And I, and I think you're right when you talk about um, not every, or I should say this, just the existence of a mental health issue doesn't mean you're going to get custody. Right. And, right. And, and I think it's so important. And I know it's hard because they live with this and it may be terrible. And, you know, the environment in which they're uh, they're living may be stressful and difficult uh, and borderline abusive. But that doesn't mean that they're automatically going to get it. And because th those two things sometimes are there's a, there's a wall between. And we have to climb over that wall to get there to kind of connect the dots to that custody. Right. Right. And, you know, it, the atmosphere has changed so much. When I first started doing family law 17 years ago, I, I distinctly remember a case 
and my client adamant that the opposing party um, shouldn't have primary custody. And his biggest argument was because she had a um, diagnosed mental disorder. And I believe it was bipolar. And I remember him being on the stand saying that. And the judge looked at him and said, so do I. I mean, it was just, and at that you could just kind of feel the shift of, hey, as long as she's following her treater's disorder or her treater's recommendation, that's not going to be an issue as to why she shouldn't have primary. Yeah. You know, you have really show that there is a negative impact on the kids because of her disorder and or she's not following her treaters plan right i mean that could be medication right it right. could be refusing to because it's the medication is designed to help control and to help you know live a life that may be i don't want to use the word normal but it, it you know not an abusive not manic whatever it may be uh which talks about and you mentioned the use of an expert and i think that's uh, there are many instances in in family law where an expert witness is required because judges don't like he said she said they want an independent unrelated unbiased third party who can come and give them and give them information that helps them reach a good conclusion that doesn't mean automatically they're going to believe your expert but i think you know i think back where i always tell my clients especially when you have maybe an undiagnosed mental health issue that may impact the kids we need to get an expert because i remember one time the client refused in one of my cases many years ago and against my advice and the only thing we were left with was to try to get wife on the stand to kind of get into one of those episodes through cross-examination and it was risky because there wasn't any guarantee that that she would well fortunately uh, we were able to get her to kind of go into this oddly conspiratorial rant about how the house was bugged and so she you know that she involved the children tearing walls down looking for recording devices by the government and it was odd and we were lucky but experts you know are very important so that's a conversation you should have with your attorney right absolutely 100 percent. so let's kind of talk about is it's not just the parents who may have some uh, mental health challenges it's children too that, that could be a problem where you have uh learning uh difficulties as a result of it uh, certainly as a result of depression from what's going on in the family it could be previous whatever it may be that that's equally important to consider right so one of the things um i think when you have a child that has some mental health issues it's a it's a huge stress um and a lot of times I have people, uh, clients come in and they don't agree with perhaps the treatment plan that's going on. And so then it becomes an issue as to who's going to get um, in Illinois. It, you have the decision making and the medical treatment and that can be divided into one parent has it um, or they do it jointly. So I'm sure states are similar to that, whether it's a, a you know, one parent deciding or a joint decision. Um, the, the problem becomes, though, in these states is that the judges look at the past pattern. So if you are a parent who's basically kind of going along with the treatment plan, but not really agreeing with the treatment plan, and then all of a sudden you decide, hey, I, I'm not I'm not OK with this. The problem is, is that the courts are going to look at what has happened in the past. And even if you've gone along with it, they're going to continue to go down that path. And so that's something where you might 
want to, if you're, if you're thinking about a divorce, if you're thinking about a concern down that road, you, you need to get ahead of that before you're too far down the road. I, I think I had a treater one time tell me like that trains already left the station. Like if you've gone down a path too far with d- different types of treatment, you can't come back. Right. Yeah. Totally true. I mean, now it's more even gender dysphoria and you may be going down that path for, for many years and all of a sudden in court now you are completely against that. I mean, it, and it is a credibility issue. It's also a treatment issue, a consistency issue. Uh, I think that you're right. It's it's so important. Uh, but I think the decision-making becomes also the problem because now you may have two parties that completely disagree and they maybe have disagreed all along. And that's always a challenge to try to um, to kind of get the children the, the help that they need along the way and even post-judgment. Right, right. I mean, people in long-term marriages that have made it work don't always get along, don't always agree, right? And people make concessions and you do this and you do that. But then you're taking a, a, a marriage that's, you know, volatile. And then it's, I don't agree with this. I've never agreed with this. But then how do you, even if you prove that to the court, the court's going to look at it and say, but you went along with it and you didn't do anything. And now we're here. So that's something a lot of times potential clients come in and say, I don't agree with, you know, this. And and this goes for other things than just mental health treatment. I mean, it could be, you know, medical treatment, it could be schooling, whatever it is. If you've gone down this road, you have to know that that's what the court's going to look at and that's what they're going to use. That's what they're going to continue. So, you know, the one thing uh, we've talked a lot in our, for, for 30 years, I've been talking about the 10 stupidest mistakes guys make when facing divorce. And one is being brutally honest with your attorney. And I talk in that seminar in the book, we have a lot about the relationship of attorney client versus doctor patient and doctor patient where it's it's interesting uh, patients come in and will tell their doctors everything even if it's irrelevant like my heart hurts but i'm going to let you know also have this little thing on my toe and they're disconnected but they'll say it because they want to be healed they want the doctor to give them good advice and good direction and prognosis diagnosis but that's the point of with the lawyer is I think some clients come in with this stigma of mental health disorders or challenges and they want to hide it. And they, they think if I bring it up, it's going to affect my case. And that's not necessarily correct. You want to know about it as an attorney and a practitioner so that you can help guide them and deal with it, right? Absolutely. And so as I was saying about the opposing party and how the stigma you know, isn't quite there as much. It's the same thing for um, the clients that I represent. I, you know, address whatever issue you have, get counseling, get therapy, get, you know, follow those recommendations. And um, as long as you're doing that, then it's not necessarily this, you know, big issue that it once was. Yeah. And it could be anger issues. We may have a domestic violence case where the client's like, yeah, I got out of control and I've got this, maybe this small history of some anger disorders or outbursts and, you know, whatever it is. And and so the point being is I will tell clients frequently, okay, let's go to counseling. Let's get anger management counseling. And they're afraid, well, I'm acknowledging that I've got a problem. Right. Well, I'm like, get ahead of it because the judge is going to make that conclusion anyway. And if you've got a long history of these outbursts, then 
it to me and how I've always felt is it's one of the reasons I like being a petitioner at times is if the case is going to be tried, I want to get ahead of this, the elephant in the room, which is my anger. And I want to say, yeah, I was out of control and I've been the last six months, I've been getting help and here's what I've been doing. And you know what? My therapist is going to come testify about it, about my progress. And I've still got work to do. Now you've, you've humanized the problem. You've owned it. You've taken responsibility and you've taken the, the wind out of the sails of your spouse who's going to try to pound you over the head with a mental disorder. Right, right. And you've shown that you have owned up your mistakes or your faults or whatever it may be, and you're getting help, right? You're, you're, you're doing what's best for your child because you're going to address those issues and take care of it. Yeah. And I think, though, the key is you, we kind of close this topic is if you're that client and you, you know, they meet with you, Rachel, and you go to this extent to help uh, arrange for some management, some treatments some counseling, some therapy, uh, it's great to go, but follow the orders. Because if you don't follow the orders, you've just completely ruined it. And now I think you've taken a, a, a giant step where the judge is going to go, okay, now I'm going to connect the dots to a person who's not going to follow my orders because they know best, right? Right. And that's a hundred percent. And even if you're a client who gets a, um, an order against them that says, Hey, you're the one that has to go get the mental health examination. You have to follow the orders the, the judge is the one that said, Hey, you do this. Um, that's a hundred percent. You've got to do what the judge, that person is holding your time with your kid. Um, and so, you know, go do seek the treatment, you know, follow the orders, um, because that's how you're going to get back in your kid's life. Yeah. And it's, I was talking to a client a, a little bit ago about they're frustrated, they're afraid. And I said, look, you hired me for a reason. Trust me, do this. This will put us in the best position possible. Not, there's no guarantees in life, no guarantees that I can get you what you want. But I, my part of my job is I've always said appearance and presentation. And I want to put you in that that chair before the judge and give you the best chance possible. And in, and I'm telling you, do X, Y, and Z. So I think that's so important when you sit, like, for example, sit with a client, you say, I need you to do this. I mean, I know you've had right. that in, in your history, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's, you have to follow the, the advice of your attorney. I mean, it's, it's like doctors saying, yeah, I need you to take this medication uh, and this will heal you. And then you say to him, that's a great suggestion. Bye. And I'm not going to do it because you Google it. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Trust me. It does. <laughs> so Google, Google is a genius, but you know, that's why picking the right attorney is so important. And uh, there's a trust relationship that you have to have, just like you would choose a doctor. And when they say, trust me on this one, you have a decision to make. And I think it's, as you suggest, uh, Get rid of the stigma. Don't be afraid to ask for help, right? Correct. Yeah. Rachel, thanks for joining. Good stuff on mental health. Uh, it's a great entree to coming up in a month or so when we celebrate the entire month of June. And we separate, uh, celebrate dads. So thanks for joining today. Thanks, Scott. So uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe to our podcast. Go to Apple iTunes and uh, you'll get an alert every time we download the podcast and you'll find out more information. But if you want more, you can go to YouTube. And you can find our YouTube channel where it's loaded with information and podcasts or virtual town halls, just like this, that date back uh, for the last couple of years we've been doing this. So you're going to find a topic that I know applies to you that you'll find interesting, just like today. 
And so check us out also on social media and then follow us and make sure you uh, go ahead and sign up for our virtual town halls coming up in May and throughout June. You get information if you follow us on social media. So until next time, have a great week.